I just after realizing because, as you know, I've had um, trouble with my ears for the last the last while. Um, yeah. and they they popped Friday, and now like everything is so loud. So like I had the volume of this thing up so loud, like it's I I logged onto the call and I was like hearing damage. <laughs> <laughs> so are both ears back now? Uh, left one's fully back. The right one is still on the way, but not too bad. Okay, just keep slapping the side of your head until it popped. Yeah, I that's like, pretty much it. I so, like the way worst case scenario has sort of extended out into <laughs> medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> More it, don't yeah. try this at home kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so steroids are good anyway. That's the moral of the story really for any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get some drugs in you. Mm-hmm. I feel like so much has happened since we recorded the last episode. Yeah, it feels like forever. I... I'm proud of myself because I managed to edit the last podcast. Thanks to Thomas sitting down with me for a while and helping me figure it out. It was good. It's good, but I, I think you you've made it easier to do. Your process was really good. The, like once we got through all the little niggly bits and you know putting in patches and stuff like that, the actual process of you know editing and getting out silences and cutting out people and all that kind of stuff, you've made it very very. Uh, easy for someone to do but you obviously had to go through this huge amount of slog uh, that I never had to go through so I know only the easy part of it I guess or the simpler part I guess of the whole process so fair play to you I think. Dave it was also sort of really interesting because I'd written up most of my editing process and I guess then sitting down with Baz and actually kind of watch him try to follow the instructions and then realize that the instructions are really, really bad and I'd left out sort of massive bits. So basically it made no sense whatsoever. So I didn't really want to be kind of like, um, am I being stupid because I feel like I'm being stupid? And you're like, oh, no, there's these files you're meant to have. Oh, okay. Um, thanks. <laughs> it worked out. Okay. Uh, that's good. Yeah. So you I will definitely take your over. podcast uh, editing. Yeah, I'll take over doing that in future, half and half, if you want. <laughs> it's great because you get to kind of manipulate the conversation to make you sound good. Listeners may have noticed that I was uh, much less coherent last episode. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, well. So speaking of given instructions, since we last recorded, uh, we had another Limerick iOS developer meetup. Mm-hmm. That I missed. What was your excuse again? I was sick. <laughs> Drinking sick or proper sick? <laughs> proper sick. I like the cough. <laughs> Whose cough is that? It must be Thomas's. <laughs> bollocks. Um, I, was prop- I, was prop- I was properly not well. Um, and I'm very annoyed because I believe it was class. It was probably shit though. You're probably telling me it's class. <laughs> no, um, I, I be- I'm hearing all great also, things back. And he got through it like a trooper. Yeah, well, he was, he was on steroids. Death. Yeah, but he was on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Performance enhanced. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, well, give us an hour and a half talk in a mere 59 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> was that because of nerves or something? Were you sped up or just, just the steroids? Oh, steroids, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it was planned for an hour and I think it, it hit just about the, the hour. So, uh, give or take with a bit of messing around. So, as it was really interesting because, you know, you and I have given talks of this before in our own inimitably uh, amateurish sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see Dave, like as a professional lecturer, kind of stand up because he he just did everything really well. Like, you know, that thing where like he told us what he was going to talk about and then he talked about it. And then he recapped at the end just to kind of like, you know, bed down the learning. It was all great. It's awesome. Cool. I'm looking forward to tell getting him, the, tell uh, him and tell him again. Get yeah. the notes. No, you yeah, can't get the so, notes. No, no one. Okay, Dave, you have to come over some night. If you're not in, you don't get the notes. I'm <laughs> treating you like one of my students now, Baz. <laughs> if you're not in. <laughs> I'm going to miss the next one as well. Which, yeah. So, um, to, well, I'll, I'll try and recap um, Dave's talk and Dave can uh, tell me if yeah. I'm 
was listening properly or not. Um, I'll grade you out of 100 at the end of yeah, the Yeah, exactly. So what I really liked about the talk, so the talk was about Swift, the Apple's new programming language. And I guess it's the first talk about Swift that we've had at the meetup. Mm-hmm. So um, most of us basically hadn't done that much Swift before. And I guess the way Dave did it, did it was he picked sort of one area of the language, one feature of the language, which is called optionals, and kind of went really deep on it, but in a kind of a, just like Dave, I, I, my sense was is that when you were preparing the talk, you sort of, you said you weren't really satisfied about many of the explanations out there. And that was the reason why you kind of went deep on this one topic. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, the whole point is uh, everything just presents optionals and you accept them at face value, but like, you know, what the hell are they? There's this throwaway line that, oh, well, you know, I mean, you know optionals are just enums, right? And, you know, I've seen, seen that thrown around so many places. I watched a, a masterclass optional video that was six minutes long um, <laughs> that, that, you know, just, just told you the difference between an exclamation mark and a question mark, you know, but it still didn't explain how they fit into the language like do you know what affordances were made to to take account of this at at a deeper level and so i just really liked that it, I, I, like i came i definitely had an aha moment in the talk where i'm like oh okay that's how it works and it kind of i didn't even realize it myself but it was a blocker to my own understanding and my own comfort and the way you explained it just kind of suddenly it's kind of like after you sneezing with your ears being blocked, like I had that same sort of experience of like everything was suddenly clear. So yeah, really good talk. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah, it's just, again, it's one of the things that annoyed me. So it's good to kind of get it, at least get a talk out of something that annoyed me. <laughs> and how did you go about figuring out yourself then? What were like, did you just use any resources or? The Apple Swift manual. Okay. Oh, thousand pages of it or whatever. Right. Um their documentation is amazing. Like it's it's really good. Um is this but the, it's just is this the manual they put at the very, very, very start when they announced Swift? Yeah, the just whatever the, the, the Apple Swift book is on iTunes or oh. on, on uh, Apple Books or whatever iBooks. Okay. But it's also just a do- it's the same documentation that's on just the Swift website as well. You know, it's not you don't have to read it as the book, you can search around it. But every this this whole kind of it wasn't really a talk about optionals, to be honest. It was a talk about enums or enumerations, and that's how the optionals are done in Swift, basically. You know, so um, without recap, without I suppose going into the talk again, all of the details on the enums are in the the docs, and you can look them up. And then you know, once you just realise what's going on with regards to the optionals and the bit of syntactic sugar over them i think it makes everything clear because you don't have to just accept that things can be nil or they can have a value and how the hell does that happen you know mm-hmm. so at least now you know you can like you can write an optional from scratch if you want to and that's what we did you know and dave i got the sense from your talk that as you kind of researched your talk and this topic you actually started getting really excited yourself about swift and really impressed with some of the design aspects of the language yeah i think the the whole enum thing like i I spend most of my time in um plain old c and obviously objective c and a bit of c plus plus as well but the whole the, the way the enums work in swift is very different to any other language and i would caution any developer who knows objective c or who knows any of the other c-based languages if you're coming to swift get to know enums because i think now obviously they're, they're going to be totally overdone as well as part of it and they already are but i think they're a very powerful aspect of the language and if you just take what you know about c enums or objective c enums and bring it to swift you're missing out on 95% of the functionality that you can gain. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're, and, and the thing is, like in mo- most programming language features, I like to think that if you lock me in a room for a while, I could kind of come up with them. Do you know, I could, yeah, okay, inheritance. Yeah, I could, you know, I could see where that, I, yeah, you know, I mean, if I needed to do something, maybe I'd come up with that. Like, But the enums, I'm kind of, 
I don't know what I have thought of it. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you see it and you're kind of like, wait, what? How? You know, it just seems, it just seems so different. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe other people are like, oh, Enum's like, I mean, just get, just get over it. Just Enum's like, but I definitely think there's something, I, I just don't see the leap to where we got from the C Enum's to the Swift Enum's. So, if I figure it out, I'll let you know. To who? <laughs> yeah, so Baz, you really missed out, so... You Dave, keep telling me, Thomas. I know. So, Dave, <laughs> because Baz missed out, are you going to find a way to charge him uh, an incredible amount of money to uh, consume your talk at his leisure? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I've been toying with the idea of um, an online course royal, but the you know, obviously it's a huge commitment for potentially zero payoff. So I was going to do the talk and copious examples and stuff. So, you know, it'd be two or three hours worth of content and actually maybe put it up as a Udemy course and see where it goes. I'll give Baz a coupon, you know. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> and then, now, that I, now that I said it on the podcast, I have to do it. So, you know. <laughs> One of the other really cool things uh, Dave did, Baz, was... Um, so um, I think all of it, his demos were in Swift Playgrounds, but mm. he kind of, so apparently in Playgrounds you can use Markdown in your comments. So it was kind of like, it was kind of the mi- a mix between a, a keynote or a PowerPoint slide and a live code editor. So it's really cool. So you had this kind of formatted text, you know, almost mm-hmm. like his slides, and then he you know had some swift underneath and he just kind of changed something or whatever it's really cool cool definitely want to see that should maybe share your playgrounds with me dave <laughs> i'll do that yeah um so speaking of swift uh i have this week been converting a swift 2 to a swift 3 project who uh, i have to say so I, I know like over the past Nine months on this podcast, we've spoken a lot about not learning Swift. And, oh my God, were we right? Were we right to stay away until Swift? Of course we were. (laughs) Like, this conversion process. Now, to be fair, it's particularly difficult because um, not only did I not write it, but um, basically the company I'm working with inherited this project from an outsourcing company. So nobody in the company wrote it wrote it either. Um, but oh, it is a world of pain and hurt. Um, and I would imagine that even if it was code that I had written myself, it still would not be a trivial process to convert anything over. So uh, yeah, go us for being lazy. We did the right thing. Mm. And I suppose what kind of features are causing you the most problems? Like, I mean, given that I don't know swift 2 at all um i assume i assume it has optionals but uh other than that i mean is this is it just the names of all the functions changing is it yeah like what? so so that was kind of the first bit which was just boring like when you're clicking fix it 150 times um and like clicking fix it 150 times and sort of thinking this isn't good like I'm just clicking fix it all the time. I, I don't really know what's happening. Like, I'm not sort of looking at the logic in detail around this to see if there's, you know, a subtle bug being introduced or anything. Um, so that's the first. Yeah, like the way it suggests to force unwrap everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was at about 150 to 200 auto fix sets. Um, and this particular code base interfaces, uh, with Objective-C quite a bit, some third-party libraries written in Objective-C. So I'm at the end and they're sort of like, oh, casting between Swift bools and Objective-C bools and, uh, kind of completion blocks where the sort of, the library is expecting objective c types like ns types um but there are swift types in the code so yeah yeah it's um yeah it's not good 
not good. Not having fun. Mm. But uh, but thankfully, this is all over. They have promised us source stability from now on. Although I see um, Swift 4 is not going to bring binary compatibly. So we're still going to be, if we write apps in Swift, we're still going to be shipping the Swift runtime for a while to come yet. Okay. Yeah, and I think one of the main reasons for that is they're introducing the memory ownership uh, kind of stuff from Rust. Now, I think they'll largely be optional, but the whole point of that is that if you um, decide, you know, the, the, I think for the, the safety stuff, the actual size of the memory and stuff like that has to be actually carried around with the pointers and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not they. They still have to make changes to it, um, and they're not they're not trivial. To be fair, I, I think I give them a pass on the API com- compatibility stuff. Like it's a minor nuisance. Yeah, like the the source compatibility is way more important for developer happiness. I think, um, and as you said, yeah, and sorry, sorry say, as you said, like if delaying API compatibility allows them to bring. Um, in more sort of memory management stuff that's more suited to low-level systems programming, then I think, like, wait, you know, that's great. Definitely. Um, and I just, I think that um, we'll be able to run 4 and 3 as separate files inside a project as well. Yes, I saw that. That's great. For whatever changes they make. But hopefully not too many. I have to say, though, like, so I'm alternating these days between like being excited about some bits of swift but also it's a bit of a challenge or i'm feeling challenged this like i know this one thing relatively well which is objective c and i feel comfortable in it and i don't have to think about it and then i switch to this new language which even though i like I feel slow and stupid in. Do you know, I don't, I don't, like, Swift isn't a jetpack for me yet. It's kind of the opposite. I don't know if you guys find that. Yeah. I would I, all, every I, new I, language. I, yeah. yeah. Whatever new language, but I, I guess, I, I don't know, it's, it's, the optional stuff is really, I guess it's not too straightforward. If you've just been doing it for years where you, you, you know, an incident, a string's a string, like, I, I guess there is a little extra step along the way that you have to put in and it's not, I think after a while you forget about it, you just stop thinking about it and you just be doing it. So I think it's just one of those things in it, making mistakes and learning along the way. Eventually you stop making mistakes. And <laughs> so Baz, at work, mm-hmm. like when do you think you will be at least doing maybe new projects in Swift? Or is that kind of like, is it too early to, to, to kind of tell yet? No, I'll definitely want to do one this year. It's on my, my list of goals to do this year. Okay. So I think I'm getting through BLE stuff at the moment, which is quite fun. Um, that's actually... Banshee. It's not too bad. Um, again, just one of those things that you have to sit down and go through it. And now I'm kind of getting an opportunity to do it. Um not that I didn't have an opportunity before, it's just kind of, again, you can kind of justify it, I guess, not doing it for a while, but now I'm looking at that and kind of, if I can get through this and have a good knowledge of that and then maybe try that in a few different apps, BLE stuff, just become comfortable again with it, then I can move on to, I guess, learning um, Swift. For me, it's just, as you said, you know, you know Objective-C quite well, but like, I don't know BLE stuff in Objective-C. Sorry, Bluetooth stuff in Objective-C. I don't know any of that. So get that out of the way. And then I have to learn it all over again in Swift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll get to it this year. Um, I guess it's kind of good having you guys started it, that I will be kind of be able to go to you and kind of go, okay, give me a good resource. Should I be looking at this guy in the Stanford course again? Um, or should I just get the big Nerd Ranch book or just go to Apple's documentation? Like, you know. Um, or pay loads of money for Dave's Udemy course. No, <laughs> shit. I heard it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dave? Like, are you again for new projects? Because obviously, we all have either 
legacy things of our own or legacy things that we're asked to work on? Like, are you... Because, I mean, this is important to say, like, four to six months ago, we were still all saying, like, oh, Swift, meh, not doing it yet. Baz, Dave had a great uh, slide in his presentation, which was, like, the three... What was the title, Dave? Was something like the three stages of not learning Swift? Uh, professionally avoiding Swift. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think peer pressure, it, it, it's almost a bit like that with you guys. Now that you guys are getting more into it, I definitely want to get more into it. <laughs> well, you uh, don't get all our jokes with the question marks and the exclamation oh, marks. You know? I'll just ignore you anyway. Um, <laughs> but I, it, 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 it is a thing that... We have been saying, no, let's avoid it for a while. We always knew a time would come when we would start learning it. And now it does feel like the time. Um, yeah, it just feels like the right time now. Let you guys make a few mistakes then. And then I'll uh, I'll pick up from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have a few little projects that I want to do. And there's nothing, uh, I'm kind of taking a break from consulting and stuff so mm-hmm. they're they're all just little ones for me things that are annoying me or apps that are annoying me that i want to replace aspects of so okay yeah we'll see that's probably the nicest way to start as well because there's less chance of either having to like work with third-party libraries or have to inherit a code base that isn't in great shape you know i definitely think it's easier when you can just start with file new project mm-hmm Exactly. How is it for low-level stuff, bytes and stuff like that, byte arrays and all that kind of stuff? Have you gotten into any of that, or is it still just kind of doing the, uh, like the iOS kind of stuff? You know. Yeah, I haven't got into that, but it's very similar to like there's still the kind of you know the NS data kind of stuff. Yeah, like you can you can do all that, and you can have um, create like buffers and stuff like that, or is it just using NS data stuff? No, no, you can do the the buffers and stuff fairly fairly easily, but there is a specific way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely did try looking at doing it a while back, and ah, it was just yeah, I just found it kind of too time consuming at the time, and it's like no, no, sometime in the future I will look at it. Yeah, I definitely think the Swift three APIs will make it make it a lot easier because just okay. looking at Swift before it was so many words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually like how. When, when it kind of started breaking stuff down more in Swift 3, I actually really like now looking back at it last week, how readable everything is. And that's, I guess, one of the things I said about Ejector-C was it was very, very readable. People don't like square brackets a lot, but I found it made the code a lot more readable. Um, and even with yeah with Swift 3, I found, yeah, just it's just very, very, yeah. very, very readable. And I was kind of surprised by this. And I was like, okay, I'm happy now to kind of get into it. Yeah, and I think as well, they're kind of like, you know, like instead of string by appending string, it's just yes. like append, you know, yes. it's just sensible changes. Mm-hmm. It also, I think, really reduces your kind of cognitive overhead. Because when the APIs were named the same, it actually kind of made it more difficult to switch between Swift and Objective-C. Whereas, ironically, now the APIs are called different things, so you can kind of get into your swift zone or your objective c zone Mm -hmm. yeah that's it it's actually a different language or it feels like a different different language actually that makes a lot of sense (laughs) sounds there you go but you're right like that kind of the thing that we love about objective c that like that real um verboseness like it Mm -hmm. almost feels like writing english sometimes right like full sentences yeah, um, but it, that's that's what I always thought. And then people were just like, oh, square back and square back. And it's like, nah. but the benefits. <laughs> um, where, um, yeah, I like the named function parameters and stuff. Like, that's that's good. Yeah. The slow ones now will later be fast. <laughs> <laughs> All these people who kind of went deep on it early on. Like, I mean, fair play to them. Like, you know, and they're obviously interested or whatever, but... The other thing is, like, it feels only now that Swift is sort of starting to gain some sort of maturity conceptually. You know, I think it's only now it's starting to feel like, oh, what's the Swift way of doing things? And I think we're Mm -hmm. a long way off that, but at least that process has started, you know? 
Yeah, and I think, like, you know, I was kind of annoyed at the, like, I still type, you know, in Swift, the plus plus and yes. minus minus and <laughs> yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. if only because I do it the whole time in C, and they've taken that away, they've taken away the C style for loops, which is fine, that, that, that makes uh, a lot of sense, but, you know, um, I'm all for the the idiomatic kind of changes, where you have to do things not the one way so kind of like python because you know we we all know how that ended um but you know that the you know there's the saying that a good pro a good pascal programmer can write pascal in any <laughs> language and i i think that the you know some of the features in swift go a bit of a ways to mitigating that yeah no it's, it's really nice um I have been doing a little bit of research into Swift server-side frameworks. I'm a little bit close to uh, maybe spinning up a DigitalOcean in, uh, instance and maybe trying to do the nerd rite of passage, which I haven't done, I'd say, in 10 years, which is like rewrite your own blog engine to use something fancy. So, I think to be hipster enough now, it has to be a static blog engine. Yes. dynamic is so passe yes. you know absolutely um so it's funny actually the the framework i've been looking at so there are three big swift server-side frameworks uh vapor um Kitura, which is an ibm one and perfect um and vapor is the one i've been looking at um partly because the others <laughs> feels like they're slightly borrowing i think they're all borrowing a lot of ideas from some of the javascript frameworks and i that doesn't necessarily sort of work well with my caveman brain um but vapor is still very small like there's basic so i think two guys kind of created it on their own and then this kind of app development company in london they were talking to some enterprise clients and they were doing stuff in server-side stuff in php and some of their big enterprise clients are like, oh, why are you using PHP? That's not enterprise enough. So they said, okay, we'll do it in Swift. So so uh, Vapor has been out. I, I like that that passed the enterprise test <laughs> and PHP didn't. <laughs> Whoever made that decision was very, very wrong and deserves whatever they get at the end of it. This is it. Um, this is it. Um, it's funny, uh, like speaking of, PHP, um, I and mean, you know, the last year we had the whole parse shutting down thing, and a lot of people are switching to Firebase for cloud-based stuff. Um, and the place I've been working in at the moment, we're kind of looking at all the server-side solutions we've be we use throughout the years, and we concluded that by far the most reliable uh, solution for a server-side framework, and the one that took the least amount of ongoing work was basically PHP MySQL. Put it on a shared server, put it up once, so it never needs to be touched. It's grand. <laughs> Making a lot of assumptions there, but yeah. <laughs> I suppose if you're only offering certain services, then... Yeah, I mean, if you're not making apps for the Olympics, it should be grand. Yeah. <laughs> and also, actually, like... What, what, what do you think of Firebase, by the way? I'm a bit scared about it, uh, scared of it. Mm. It also has two sort of black marks against it. A, it's owned by Google, mm. so they'll mess with it constantly. And this is the thing about kind of third-party services is... Uh, it's like you'll, you'll just have finished your Google Reader clone yes. in Firebase, and they'll close Firebase. <laughs> um, and the second one is it's it's no SQL, you know, it's full of the hipsterness. And I'm not saying this out of sort of a detailed evaluation of relational versus non-relational database technologies. I just don't get it, and I don't want to get it. And what's wrong with relational databases? They're grand. <laughs> they are, and the the problem is people don't want to learn a bloody set algebra or whatever they don't want to know an inner join. What's that? You know? Um, so that's that's the end of it, like. 
because I, I don't have to do an inner join. I don't have to. I just select or I just get and everything gets and that's, I'm happy. Because <laughs> I've always felt like whatever I'm, whenever I've had to write anything, basically the all the intellectual work was essentially in the data model. Once I kind of mapped that out, everything else was... It's just crud. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But um, And getting the data model right is hard. Um and conceptually hard and you have to maybe really reason about the problem you're trying to solve and the clients you have but, but once you've done that it's grand yep um i read um there's something on hacker news for the life of me i can't find it now but it was someone interviewing it at twitter or something like that and um they had an interview with someone and he was like this pretty much happened and it was basically your man's like uh, well we use mysql for our, our data and he goes oh yeah but i mean that's only because mongodb wasn't around when you started right <laughs> and, <laughs> and um and they were like well no and he goes but why would you use sql like i mean you know and uh i think that was just interview over like but yeah your man from pinboard Pimboard, uh, Maciej Czeklowski, he has a good quote that basically, like, this stuff should be boring. Like, you shouldn't be using exciting stuff for your sort of server app that, like, stores user data. It should be as boring and as well understood as possible. That's it. And I think one of the, like, one of the biggest apps that I know that actually uses MongoDB is Trello. And that's used it from day one and that kind of makes sense you know yeah document strictly kind. a lot of relation relationship stuff um and i think uh joel spolsky said when they were building it he said use things he, he kind of gave the team permission to use things that weren't quite stable at the moment but that would be in five years i think was what he said mm. um so you know use things that in five years will be Okay. And I, I'm also not as good as the programmers at Fog Creek or Trello or wherever they are. So. Uh, you're selling yourself short. Man. <laughs> I but, definitely um, do not deserve my own office. I know everyone does. <laughs> um, it's just it's just for your brain. Like, I mean, you'll be more productive. Um, and I, I just think as well, like the only times I've used MongoDB in earnest as opposed to kind of messing around with it, have been when one of the features that was necessary for the app or the service was better in MongoDB and easier to maintain than it would have been in other platforms. Like I was doing, this is, now this is donkeys years ago, like this is 2010, 2011, I want to say, um, and someone will like be like, oh, MongoDB didn't actually exist back then. <laughs> but um, it basically the problem was the geolocation stuff. Now, this is before Parse, this is before Firebase, this is before everything. Okay, none of this stuff existed and had to do geolocation queries. Now, um, MongoDB had that built in from day one. I wrestled with Postgres or Postgres and the Postgis add-on um, to try and do the, the geo-query stuff. That was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced, trying to get that to actually work. Got it to work, but I wasn't happy with it. Um, then tried it in MySQL, didn't work. And then within 10 minutes from doing uh homebrew install or brew install mongodb or whatever i had it working and very reasonable speeds and that was the end of it i had to show you i had to query things near you and it was literally that feature it wasn't the relational aspect it wasn't the document aspect it was just based on the location and everything's fine you know so it was essentially based on the location and, and that was that was enough Sweet. And of course we all know that Parse used it like so. If you if you know what you're doing, it is actually reliable, like you know. But if you if you don't read the manual, you're in for a bad time. <laughs> Never read the manual. 
Baz, anything going on with gaming recently? I have not done my homework <sighs> from the last episode. You didn't do your homework yet? No. That's fine. I downloaded it. Yeah. So last episode, my homework was to download Firebase, Firewatch. Firewatch. <laughs> <laughs> Not Firebase. Um, which I did. I bought it off goodoldgamesgog.com and mm. got it for a tenner. You got the sale. Yeah. Because I, I knew there was a sale on and I was sending it towards Steam, but yeah, it was good old games at the time. Oh, compared to Steam, though, this is such a lovely purchasing experience. No crapware, no installer on my Mac. Just mm-hmm. put in the card information, got a download. Um, I think the only black mark was that the installer installed the app into my documents folder. Right. Yeah. Uh, but apart from... I'd expect more from Panic now, to be honest. <laughs> um, but apart from that, yeah, all good. So I, I looked at the pretty artwork, but I haven't started playing yet. So sorry, I will do so for next week. Yeah, again, it's four or five hours, so not too much. Even if you don't get it all done. Yeah, I... I'd... Well, no, we should... Yeah, well, maybe we should talk when you get it finished anyway. Yeah, well, so. I want to get to the uh, fire truck driving stage <laughs> yes you definitely need yeah. to get to there i'd um yeah i'd recommend if you could block it off one go maybe or would it would it be better broken up because it is yes. broken up it's um i yeah i definitely think i took um two goes at it anyway yeah. i might have gotten it late and stuff like this and you guys muttered something last episode about using the camera so i'm gonna take photos of stuff. as i said Dude. i i was under the impression that in my mind i don't know if i'll talk about it uh, maybe i'll talk about it later why i what i thought the camera was used for was just this thing this you know so, something I, I completely made up in my mind that uh i eventually thought the game was going to go towards and it never went there and i was like i wish i'd taken more photos i did take it quite a lot but yeah, definitely enjoy taking photos in it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the big gamer news at the, the the moment is the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Talk about that for a while. I'm getting Talk a bit about. excited. Uh, I am, um, yeah. I've... When's it out? Friday. Are you going to buy no. one? I'll, I guess I'll talk about why. But I do definitely, I, I do want one. I'd be excited for it and I kind of... But you're not going to pre-order it like you do all the rest of the things this year? No, definitely kind of, yeah, I've been trying to be a bit better about stuff. So I need to avoid shops where it's being sold and stuff like this. Okay, so, <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If you weren't trying to buy a house, would you have pre-ordered it? I think I'll wait to see what the reviews of the Zelda game are, but... yeah. I probably would. I probably would for two reasons. I guess it's Zelda and The Binding of Isaac uh, is out in it. Um, I could just play it on my PC, but it's nice to handheld. So I'll explain what the Switch is. Um, we all know who, who Nintendo are. And this is their latest console. So everyone, I guess, really knows Nintendo from NES and SNES like this. But a few years ago, they released the Wii, which I think, Thomas, you have a Wii, right? I, even yeah, I have it was, a Wii. It was, everyone had a Wii. It was their thing at the time, and it was pretty crap. Um, it was a gimmicky Shut kind up. of console. Uh, it was, you My know... My only console. Yeah, it was pretty. console for muggles like me. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. And then they came out with the Wii U there, not so recently. 2012, and yeah. 2012, yeah. And I mean, the name again, people were like, is it an addition to the Wii? You know, I have the Wii. What's the Wii U? So it was a brand new console, and I had... Um, the controller had a screen in it so you could play the games on the screen kind of hand, handheld like kind of like an ipad um and then so you know you didn't have to always be on the tv and if you were playing the games on the tv the controller could be used as a secondary screen for maps inventory that kind of stuff and it did not do well at all um at all at all, at all. so this uh console has come out now it's 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 kind of cool um so again, it's got a 6.2-inch screen. I might have gotten it wrong. It's got an amazing screen on it by all accounts. Um, it's only 720p, but it's meant to be a pretty fantastic screen. Um, LCD, not OLED. And it's got two controllers on the side of it. But the, the idea is that you can dock it in a dock 
and it plays on your TV and you remove the controllers or else you can put the controllers back on the LCD screen and then play it as a handheld on the go. So it's kind of provides you with two kind of unique scenarios. So you're playing on the go, say you're playing on a commute to work or you wanted to go away somewhere like, you know, you're in a hotel for the weekend or for work or something like this. You can play it. When you come back into your house, you dock it up on next to the TV and then you sit down on the couch with the controllers and you can just start playing the game on your TV, which is pretty cool. And the whole experience is meant to be seamless uh, in terms of you just dock it and, you know, it's up on the TV. Um, I know every morning I stick my Mac into a hench dock and I spend about five minutes trying to get it to turn on. Um, so it's something that I say kudos to Nintendo for figuring out how to do it. Um, the quality of it is meant to be very, very good. Besides the kickstand that's on the back of the um, the display, um, it's meant to be very, very, very high quality. Supposedly the whole but, point of the kickstand is that you could technically jam it into the dock with the kickstand out. So it's low quality. So it just pops out. Really? That's what I've heard anyway. So oh. if you forget to close it in and jab it in, it'll just, it'll just pop out as opposed to break. Oh, what I've seen people do is, although they're saying that's pretty flimsy, the kickstand. So it's more likely going to break on everyone's console. I've seen people with it on flights, on planes. So they bring down their tray table and just have the Wii up in it. Then they take off the two controllers on the sides. So it's like having a screen in front of you and then you got the two controllers in your hand. Um, there's a load of party games and stuff with it. Um, but it's still all the guts, all the hardware are inside in the screen. So even though when you do dock it, you do get um, faster CPU and GPU cycles because it can use more power. Um, it doesn't render the games any better. It's only 720p upscale to 1080 on a computer, or sorry, on a TV screen. Uh, it's 720 on the handhelds side of it. Um, you need to pay extra for controllers and stuff like this if you want better controllers or controllers that recharge to two separate Joy-Cons are called, the things on the side. Have you seen it, Thomas? Have you seen image, images of it or anything? The Switch, yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, so you understand the whole take-off yeah. controllers on the side mechanic. Okay, so I guess there's a few things about it. There's no real great games at the moment. There is, sorry, besides Zelda, Breath of the Wild, which is meant to be amazing by all accounts. No reviews as of yet. Probably more reviews on. Uh, Edge gave um, it 10, anyway. Edge gave it 10, and they're, they're bastards for giving good reviews. Yep. Um, they're they're kind of notorious for not giving good reviews. Um, so Edge is a video game magazine from uh, the UK. It's pretty good. No games TM, but you know. Um, so it does the job. It does the job. I I love handhelds. I absolutely love handhelds. I've had every single Nintendo handheld ever. Besides, sorry, besides the GBA Micro, I think I've had every handheld from them at some point or another, and. I had my Vita, I guess I, you know, I stopped having my Vita recently, um, but I absolutely love handhelds. I just think they're, they're really fun. I think you're the same, Dave. You have a bit of a thing for them, do you? Yeah, 3DS at the moment. I just haven't, I suppose you kind of have to pick one and commit to it. And I think the whole, yeah, I, I think that I might get the Switch as a, as a handheld as opposed to a, I I would find myself probably playing it more as a handheld rather than a something I play on my TV screen, you know. Um, so you're never because the specs aren't great for it. You're never going to get the newest games, like uh, say uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is coming out this month. It was an EA game, you know. It looks really really pretty. It's a next gen kind of game, but the Wii is never going to be able to play it. Similarly, though, it it's going to take over. I guess a lot of the market from the 3DS. So. People like the 3DS. There's fantastic games in it. They're not the best looking games ever, you know. Um, but that's not the point. Nintendo's always been good at having great games, um, especially from themselves. Any Nintendo games are usually pretty top notch. Um, but hopefully they can get a lot of developers who were developing for the 3DS to develop for this. What they've lacked before, especially on the Wii and the Wii U, was the AAA games, um, the Call of Duties, um, I don't know, Madden's, any of the big kind of, you know, big games that sell excess of 10 million games, the franchise games every year that come out every year. People just weren't making them for those consoles. Um, so again, 
they seem to be doing it a lot better than they've done it previously in years but we'll we'll have to see then if the support comes out from third-party developers will they start making games for it or is it enough that people will the developers like you were making games for 3ds continue to make games for it the, nintendo have always survived on people buy the machines for nintendo games but there's never enough nintendo games um so i don't yeah. know i hope hope it does well i people are saying buy it just for zelda it's good enough that's how good zelda is um i don't think i could justify 300 euro though just for one game like 350 euro i guess let's see yeah i think you'd like it thomas yeah how, remind me what the what the price is here 300 for the console so that's the screen the two joy-con controllers and a dock 300 and how just for comparison's sake how much is a a ps4 non-pro these days 250 300 okay so about the same yeah dave you never got a ps4 in the end no you're all talk i was yeah <laughs> life gets in the way sometimes that's it like i mean i can count on one hand uh the the hours i would have had to play it since talking about it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know summer maybe i have great plans for the yeah. summer but sure <laughs> don't we all this is the most excited i've been for a nintendo product i guess um since the n64 very, yeah yeah <laughs> so, so for, for a very very long time yeah this is yeah. game boy advance i guess maybe I loved mm. that, but yeah, I hope hope this goes well for them. Um, you know, and what was the last gonna Zelda game like? Will that come out for this? Do you think? Uh, uh, so this this Breath of the Wild is coming out on the Wii U as well. Yeah, so was there one on uh, the Wii U that before yes, that? Yes, there was um, Skyward Sword, which I never played. So that was kind of a very a more cause it was more accurate in the sword play because <clears throat> at that stage they had the better Wii controllers that came out. Ah, yeah, but it was just on the Wii as well, wasn't it? It was on the Wii as well, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, it, I played actually, that. Actually, was it on the Wii U? I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. It was only on the, the Wii. So did we get the no official, we got the remastered... Um, uh, Wind Waker. Yeah, Ocean of Time, I was about to call it, but that's mixing up <laughs> two of them in my head. That might be a subtitle. Was um, it just that... Uh, is that all we got for the Wii U? Been, yeah. Might have been. I could, yeah, I don't think Skyward Sword was on. Yeah, because I nearly bought it for something. Because that had to use the controller. Like, you know? Yeah. Nearly. Uh, I don't know. I'm intrigued now by this Breath of the Wild, but again, might hold out second iteration of the console. You see, it does have a better battery. Battery is average two and a half to three hours. Um, All right, they're saying On six. intensive games. Yeah. They, they say it can reach six. So um, Digital Foundry, um, they're the guys that kind of go into frame rates and stuff like this and they do it like they have heat cameras and they did extensive kind of battery testing they said about 50 percent brightness half volume um playing zelda it was three hours and that seems to be kind of the consensus then from other reviews that i've seen today so you know reviews just went out about midday today um i'll put them in the i'll put the big reddit mega thread in the notes yeah, I don't know. Kind of fun. I always get excited about new consoles, you know. Um, just a nerd in, in, in me. A new toy. But I probably will just hold off on this one for a good while. You heard it here. You can quote me on it. <laughs> the Swift of consoles. Yes, I think so. Thomas, you should get one. What do you think? And a while. See what games come out. But I think you'd enjoy it. I want to go If they have one or two good driving games, then maybe. Uh, no, they won't. No. <laughs> yeah, I can guarantee you they'll have Mario Kart and that's it. <laughs> All I like is driving games. I don't like okay. fantasy. I don't like sci-fi because apparently those are different things. And I don't like shooting. Okay, I must get you over to play Dirt Rally in VR on the PS4. And it... to see you vomit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, does make you sick? I was playing it really fun. Some of the, some of the levels they're flat, and then I played this level that was all jumps. And you know when you go over a jump in a car, um, like your stomach goes up and down, that feeling, that sensation. 
but in this my it felt like my brain was moving out of my head and then going back down again it was a really really odd sensation um every time i went over to jump i guess the horizon moves and your brain's expecting to go up but it's not going upwards right so after about the 20th jump i just started sweating profusely and i had to take <laughs> off the headset yeah it wasn't good wow too intense <laughs> have we anything right. else um unless you want like that 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 website who sent that on today that really funny one was it you thomas oh the hacker news um spoof that's actually a good place for um getting just the headlines i think a lot of the big headlines from this week came up in it the sha one kind of stuff came up in it uh aws being down was up in it and it was for me it was kind of a lot of the big tech headlines this week but then just really really funny I'd probably prefer to read someone <laughs> taking a piss out of these things. Dave, have you noticed any decline in Hacker News over the last few months, or is it just me in comments? Uh, hard to know. I mean, that's that's one of the rules of Hacker News, is you're not allowed to complain unless your account is X days old. Um, and my account is fairly old. I'm there since day one. And... Um, <sighs> I think things are becoming more black and white there. There isn't the kind of the reasonable spectrum that there used to be, but I, I don't know. Um, the just on that that um, hacker news one, the you know, hacker news resumes the previous thread wherein they admonish each other never to roll your own crypto, but rolling your own public-facing internet services, database backend, programming language, kernel, messaging protocol, <coughs> orbital launcher, autonomous war robot, or legal document is completely fine. <laughs> Which is, you know, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, but uh, yeah, if you ever read the site Hacker News, this is a good... Uh, antidote yeah it's not quite a spoof but an antidote (laughs) um i think nerds giving advice about stuff like often can just descend into farce quickly so it's nice to see it lampooned in a in a bit of an affectionate way as well it's not uh it's not all nasty Mm -hmm. just mostly (laughs) I like the um, the rust evangelism strike force because <laughs> it's true. Yep. Oh, anything, yeah. anything remotely related to systems programming and this. Oh, yeah. So what's making us happy? So I have a slightly related thing that's making me happy this week um so i was talking to somebody over the weekend who works in the city in london and like the financial sector uh basically it was a friend of my sister my sister was over over the weekend with a friend of hers who um is an accountant and works for one of the big banks in london in the city and i was asking her like what does she do for like industry gossip in the same way as we have kind of you know a few sources of news and snark and um, so the thing that's making um me happy this week is a column on uh bloomberg called money stuff and it's a journalist called matt levine and it's basically a, a daily newsletter full of kind of snark about the financial sector, but it's very readable. Um, He's a former investment banker at Goldman Sachs, um, and he just sort of gives the lowdown on lots of sort of investment stuff. Um, He takes kind of swipes at the tech sector a bit as well, you know, about unicorns and stuff. So, yeah, I'll link to it in the show notes. Really good read, Um, and it's fun to see a bit of snark in an un, in another industry that isn't ours, I guess. Yeah, um, one another website that's been recommended to me by people in similar um, in people in finance is zerohedge.com. Um, uh, Z-E-R-O-H-E-D-G-E dot com. 
and it's uh yeah um it has been classified as conspiratorial anti-establishment and economically pessimistic and has been criticized <laughs> for presenting extreme and sometimes pro-russian views um, <laughs> so it's kind of the you know it's probably the opposite of that but it is um it's it, it's quite controversial um you know but uh, again I, I don't really understand any of it you know they love the ira oh the uh, pension thing yeah yeah not not the actual yeah <laughs> ah, i see clever dave individual retirement account yep baz have you got anything i do um i finally signed up for a patreon Ooh. i don't know if any i don't know if you guys have done this at all but uh one of my favorite ever video game shows called Consylvania uh, returned. So Consylvania was an online only uh, video game review show with sketches and lots and lots of comedy in it. Um, it was just hilarious from these two Scottish guys and their mates. And it was around from 2004 to 2009. And like there was four seasons of it. Episodes were so sporadic. You know, you just go months and an episode would finally come out. And these guys, Dave, uh, Robert Florence and Ryan McLeod, they had a couple of seasons of a TV show on BBC called Video Guiding. And they did one last year. But at, at some point, no one really knows what happens. They fell out. Um, and Robert Florence kind of went on to do a comedy show called Burns, Burnstown. I don't know how you pronounce it. On BBC Scotland three seasons or something and I guess it was a bit sad because I think people that were really into Consylvania you know it's like well why did these two best mates fall out so they came back then to do um the season of video guiding last year and it was quite self-referential they had lots of scenes in it where it was them in their younger days but them in their current days looking back at how stupid they were and how pathetic they were um and I guess, you know, they had grown up at this stage and kind of life is shit on them more. So in their older days, it was all brightly shot. And then in their current days, it was all just dark and dreary, uh, which I thought was quite good. So obviously they patched up and they put out a new season on Patreon. And so it's the first time I've booked anything or paid for anything on Patreon, but like I could not not support them, you know. Um, so spending six dollars I guess per episode and I think it's worth every penny so the first one went out there uh, a week or two ago and it was hilarious I think it, it captured the essence of what the show was like back in the day um, after what seven years eight years almost without an episode I think that was for me the first time I went oh this is what Patreon is cool for you know it allows people to like, I guess they made no money from Consylvania previously. It was just, you know, out of their own love that they wanted to do it. They wanted to put it out. Um, but now this gives people an opportunity to create something they love to do and get paid for it. And it's kind of prevalent in video games a lot more. There's another one from um, Daniel Dwyer called No Clip. Um, definitely worth checking out. That's on YouTube. You can get it. Um, but he was able to quit his job and create documentaries about video game developers and video game stories and he's earning about twenty thousand dollars um a month i believe which is pretty decent you know like he, he can make a living making all these cool documentaries that people really 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 want to watch so fair play to him and there's a lot of weird shit on patreon as well uh yeah people like really really weird shit and they're able to pay people money to make weird stuff for, for them yeah. <laughs> so you guys use it at all? I've used it to find stuff and I've I've been tempted a few times. There's a few um programming projects I'm going to back on it. Um mm-hmm. one that I've I've shared with you um before I'm going to when I get around to it. Uh Godbolt, so it's the compiler explorer website. Um that's up there. Do you know, so there's a few few nice things. Hmm. Again, and again, just to, just if to you're into really weird shit, people <laughs> got any uh, examples? If you go into the if you go into the top ten or twenty 
uh, people. There, there's one called Yandari Simulator. Do not look it up if you're in work or anything. Um, it's about a high school girl that goes around killing people. Um, but there is a lot of, um, there's one for furries, I believe. I think it might be the actual top Patreon. If you don't know what furries are, probably wouldn't look it up. <laughs> um, but I think there's a, I don't know if it's a video game or something, but it's for people who are into furries. You know what that is, Thomas? I think Dave probably does. What? No, I'm not going to talk about it here. But anyway, I it's kind of, and Neil Neil Gaiman's wife, um, she's like the second top one. She, she would like serious to be money. That. Well, his wife. I don't know what her name is. <laughs> I know what she's. She's his wife. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Go have a look. Yep. Um, apologies to Amanda Palmer. Um, Amanda Palmer, that's her name. <laughs> She makes $35,000 per thing. What's yeah. the thing? Can you say it in a sort of... S- describe it in it a It would be like... Um, yeah, look, just like a, a, say, uh, a piece of art like music or uh, a painting or... Like per podcast it could be episode. a comic podcast episode, but hold on, a YouTube this episode. This one, Palmer, well, what does she... She's an artist. So she does she, podcasts and paintings? No, and no, no. She... Uh, I'm not too sure what she does. She would do more music, I think, and stuff like that. Ah. Um, or more creative stuff, I guess. But like you have C- uh, CGP Grey is on this. Um, I'm trying to think of who you might know. Um, there's just like big podcasts around it, like the Comedy Button. Um, you know, $11,000 per month. It's pretty, yeah, pretty crazy. Mad. Cool. Hmm. Dave, what do you got? So, what I got, I had open and then I navigated away to look up for those <laughs> on Patreon. Um, and it's uh, Derek Sivers book. Um, Ooh, we haven't discussed him before. Yeah, I think uh, the name is familiar. Uh, in, we we. Uh, we talked about him once, I think, but um, his book, Anything You Want, uh, 40 Lessons for a New Kind of Entrepreneur. And the thing is, um, he was the CD baby guy. Um, and he's he's uh, blogged and written articles for a number of years about this this sort of stuff. And they've, they've really stuck with me. Um, and I think that it's a, it's a really short book. You'll get through you get through it in an hour um i bought the audiobook because i like you know it's just like a a podcast um in this case and he it's only reads an hour it himself doesn't he he does yeah which is which is nice because you know i think when you've someone that's you know writing this stuff it this particular type of book lends itself to actually being read by the author you know there's a bit more authenticity to it um so yeah it's really short really good really dense don't let the shortness put you off um and it's really good and i'll be listening to it several times he's i think i have listened to this is this his sort of main book or does he have a few i've definitely listened to a Derek sivers book and i can't remember was it this one or not i don't know does he have any others that I'm aware of. Um, I've definitely listened. Yeah, no, I think it is Do What You Want that I listened to. I really, really enjoyed it. He's lovely. He's just sort of... Totally, yeah. Kind of... He's he, he's interested and interesting, but he's sort of like, because he's proven himself, he's not interested in so much in his, uh, his own uh, hype, I guess. Would that be fair? And there's just one article I'll share, um, uh, sivers.org slash K-I-M-O, Kimo or whatever. Um, and it's an article, it's called There Is No Speed Limit or There Is No Speed Limit. Um, and it's how he was 17 and he met, uh, Kimo Williams, who was, um, music teacher, uh, he, he owned a, a studio and he said he graduated from Berkeley and, Basically, um, he kind of, you know, he just kind of said, oh, I can teach you two years of 
this and only a few a few lessons like um come tomorrow if you're interested no charge like and you know he he showed up and he did you know and just i'll let you read the rest of it mm-hmm. interesting enough he i think it's derek sivers who had quite an interesting recent blog post just to so we come full circle on keeping all your logic in your database tables which I will find and put in the show notes. So, well, around good guy. Yeah, I really, I must read that again. As I said, Dave, it's definitely worth uh, re, re-listening to again. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you'd want to take notes for. It's so, so dense. Dense in a good way. <laughs>